With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hi, Keith. I'm doing great. Good. Uh, I mean, it's an exciting show, as we're about to tell you. That's why I'm doing great. Uh, last week, I botched the uh, start of the show, so you, you can pick it up from here and say something <laughs> sparkling. Well, I'm going to give away what the show's about if I talk about what I'm excited about right now. Okay, well, as <laughs> always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how the Encanto soundtrack jumps back to number one on the Billboard 200 chart for its second week atop the tally. Plus, how the film makes history as the first Disney animated movie to launch two top 10 songs on the Billboard Hot 100 as surface pressure reaches the top 10 for the first time, while We Don't Talk About Bruno climbs to number two, making it the second highest charting song ever from a Disney animated film. So, what song from a Disney animated film has gone higher? Well, don't you dare stop this podcast, as we'll tell you in just a moment. Also on the show, we thought we'd talk to the most relevant person we could talk to about all this, who is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote all of the songs of Encanto. Perfect Um, timing, you guys. It truly is. We caught up with the Grammy, Emmy, and Tony Award winner over Zoom to chat about the incredible success of Encanto, how he worked with the animators to help tell the story, his songwriting process for the film, and more. Plus, with the film's Dos Origitas shortlisted for the Oscar for Best Original Song, Lynn discussed why that was the right tune to submit to the Academy as the proper representation of the film. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, the Encanto soundtrack returns to number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a second non-consecutive week on top, as the album steps three to one on the chart dated January 29th. The companion set to the Disney animated film earned 104,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending January 20th, and that's up 9%. That is also the album's best week yet, uh, according to MRC data. Encanto was released on November 19th, 2021 via Walt Disney Records and first topped the chart dated January 15th, 
2022, uh, uh, sort of surging to the top after the movie launched on Disney Plus on Christmas Eve. Uh, and that came a month after the movie uh, bowed in movie theaters. And uh, we talked about this already a few weeks ago, so you can go two episodes back and catch up all mm-hmm. about that there. It uh, is really interesting, though. I feel like it just it's a different trajectory than normal for a lot of reasons. Um, I think that the movie would have been in theaters longer had COVID-19 not been, you know, yeah. among us. And um, obviously, you know, going from Thanksgiving in the theaters to Disney Plus by Christmas um, is a very short time frame. And so we're seeing the effects of, you know, the the normal, what used to be, I guess, like the home video bump now is the streaming bump. We're seeing that effect so much like a rapid pace. I mean, some of these Pixar films are going directly to Disney Plus and bypassing the theaters altogether. Yeah, like Luca went directly to Disney Plus. Luca I think. did, as did Soul, which had a lot of success at last year's Oscars and, and Golden Globes. Soul completely bypassed theaters and premiered straight to Disney Plus. And obviously, we think of that as being like a, a recent Disney blockbuster hit because of all the success in the awards season and the big names who starred in that Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, whatever. It's just a crazy. It's like a whole new. Oh, it's a whole new world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead, Keith. Keep talking. (laughs) All right. Well, the Encanto uh, soundtrack continues to profit from the popularity of its hit songs, all written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, including We Don't Talk About Bruno and Surface Pressure. The former jumps four to two on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming the highest charting song from a Disney animated film since A Whole New World from Aladdin spent one week at number one in March of 1993. Plus, surface pressure rises 14 to 10, making Encanto the first Disney animated film to generate two top 10 hits on the Hot 100. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to believe because we all know of you know, the amazing, successful Disney music of the past, like The Lion King, for instance, that Elton John was involved with, you know, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Circle of Life. These were not both top 10 hits. Like, it's it's kind of it, insane to, to think. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think, well, first, Can You Feel the Love Tonight reached number four, um, and but Circle of Life missed the top 10. Um, it peaked at number 18. Still a big hit, though, and we all remember it. And also, I think... You know, we now think uh, if you think of like Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast, where there's multiple songs that everyone knows um, at the time, though, um, Beauty and the Beast only had one hit single, the title track. And Aladdin had one hit single, A Whole New World, even though people remember like um, Friend Like Me or Belle. You remember those songs, but they were never singles at the time. They never yeah. like worked them. They didn't release them as singles. And, and also the chart worked very differently at the time. Imagine had streaming and digital and YouTube and Spotify and Apple and Disney Plus all existed in like 89, 92, back in the day with Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and, and Little Mermaid. Whoa, the charts would look totally weird and totally different. Not weird. Yeah. Cool. No, uh, it would be like when Drake debuts a new album, like every song hitting the you know Hot 100. But like, I was also just thinking about recent history. Robin Williams um, could have had like a top ten with with a uh, friend uh, like me. For sure. 
Um, but I was, I mean, if you just look at Frozen, which wasn't that long ago, the original Frozen, it was, you know, quote unquote, like Spotify existed, but it was not as popular as it is now. Streaming was not as popular. Apple yeah. Music may or may not have existed. I don't know. Maybe it just started. Um, but like, let it go could have gone higher than top five, you know, or number five, right? Wasn't that what it peaked at? Yes, I think so, yes. Um, you know, just just as recent as Frozen. So, it, yes, it would have... It's hard to, like, you know, um, account for streaming. It just... It, it uh, tracks our habits differently than we've ever been able to track music before. Yeah. Also, side note, speaking of how we track music differently now and the consumption of music, there was a story that The Atlantic had recently about um, taking a factoid from MRC Data's year-end recap about how... Was it the old music versus new music thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Billboard's former editor, Bill Wordy, actually noted this on Twitter uh, the other day, and I engaged with him. Uh, And uh, uh, he... Uh, he he pointed out this story, and this story noted how um, consumption of older music had like overtaken new music. Um, and wow, oh my God, like the sky is falling. I think um, much like the way we capture streaming activity and the fact that um, kids and adults are replaying the Encanto songs over and over to better understand them or they miss something or they're just so earwormy. We never was able to capture that before, before yeah. streaming existed. Like you would go buy a soundtrack, you would go buy a CD and you would play the heck out of it in your car at home. But we didn't know how many times you played it. Well, now we know how many times you play it. The the number one example for this is what we just went through with Christmas music. Yes. I mean, Christmas music is, you know, quote unquote, more popular than ever. No, people just you couldn't track when people got their holiday records out each year. And now you can track it because people are listening through Spotify. And, and back in the day when the only way to consume music was to purchase a physical album. Well, how, like if you bought one Beatles album, why are you going to buy it again? You already owned it. You already owned and it. On top of that, like, let's just look at the bare fact that there's more old music than new music just yeah. by like number. <laughs> and and old music is generally defined as anything that is older than 18 months. So yeah. it, that that's a huge amount of music. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it, it's just the charts work very, very differently now. Um, yeah. And that and, and so that is in part why we see something like Encanto do so well on the charts and also lots of hip hop music and people that are playing all their favorite playlists. It's just they play a lot of the same songs a lot at home. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible that we can see this, you know, granular, like what people are listening to, you know, song by song and album by album that we can pay attention to that now. It's it's I like it. <laughs> and, and Keith, he's in charge of like data for a living. So I think he likes it. Okay, well, uh, lastly, uh, continuing on with the Hot 100, <laughs> we, did, we talked about it a few minutes ago at this at this rate. <laughs> um, Adele's Easy On Me collects a 10th week at number one, tying her own hello for her longest run at number one. Uh, plus, Adele becomes just the sixth act to have notched two number ones that each had at least 10 weeks at number one. The others, Boys to Men, Drake, Mariah Carey, Santana, and the Black Eyed Peas. Huh, I can only name one of the Santana songs, I'm assuming Smooth. Is it another one of the new, like, was it, like, 
Supernatural from Supernatural. Also. Yeah, it was, it was the second single from Supernatural. Maria, 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 that, Maria. Really? Wow. With the product G and B. Good for the product G and B. Um, how many weeks at number one does Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You, has it collected since it went to number one for the first time? Do you know the answer to that question? No, but it's less than 10. But let's be honest, it very likely could get to 10 and then she'll have three songs that spent 10 weeks at number one. Listen, we got to let her get there first. <laughs> OK, I won't get to it. You, I won't say, get you sound like myself. a Mariah Carey stand. You're like, <laughs> I mean, and soon she'll beat Little Nas X's record for the most weeks at number one. <laughs> uh, uh, she probably will. Uh, who knows? And now it's time for our interview with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Well, Miranda wrote the eight original songs featured in the hit Disney animated film Encanto, and the movie and its soundtrack have both been a runaway success. The film has earned nearly $100 million at the U.S. and Canada box office and has been a streaming hit on Disney+. And the soundtrack just returned to number one on the Billboard 200 chart, while two of its songs, as we earlier noted, sit in the top ten on the Hot 100. So we caught up with Miranda about all of the amazing chart success of the album. Plus, we dug into how he, as a songwriter, worked with Encanto's team of animators to help tell the film's story. We also talked with Lynn about why Dos Origuitas, which is shortlisted for the Best Original Song Oscar, was the right song to represent the movie. We talk about all that, plus how Encanto's music has been translated into many different languages and what hand, if any, Miranda had in that, and which versions of the soundtrack he plays in his own house. So let's take a listen to our interview with Lynn manuel Miranda. We don't talk about Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Lynn manuel Miranda. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Happy to be here. We are uh, super stoked that we are talking to you. And um, first, I want to congratulate you on the amazing success of Encanto. Uh, Thank you. And its soundtrack, which we just announced the other day, that it returned to number one on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart in America. Um, how does it feel to have Encanto be the number one album in the United States? It feels amazing, honestly, um, and and it's surprising, and I'm incredibly grateful. I, you know, we the movie came out in theaters on Thanksgiving, and then it came out on Disney Plus uh, on Christmas Eve, and I knew it would get a bump on Disney Plus um, because I watched that happen with Moana. Like it become Moana become a prime babysitting tool <laughs> for people. Um, and, but then I went on vacation, uh, the first vacation I've taken in a very, very, very long time. And when I got back, the soundtrack was just kind of everywhere. It sort of started with texts from my friends of their kids singing the songs. Um, and then it started being like friends I hadn't heard from since college, <laughs> sending me videos of their kids singing the song. And then it was just, you know, it's just been incredible. It's an ever cascading uh, uh, series of texts of people that you haven't talked to in years, sending you <laughs> pictures and videos of children that you didn't know that they had. Yeah, kind of. Or like, oh, wow, she's six. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> she can talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, uh, uh, fresh off the presses, uh, this is embargoed. Shh, don't tell anyone, Lynn. We don't talk about Bruno uh, is especially thriving, as you well know, uh, becoming the second highest charting song ever from a Disney animated film on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. And we're the first to tell you that Bruno jumps to number two on the Hot 100 chart this week. 
Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you. That's amazing. The, the only other song to ever go higher was A Whole New World, which hit number one back in the early 1990s. Well, that is a certified pop. Um, so I'm amazed to be in such uh, incredible company. And I would imagine one of the coolest parts about Bruno being the breakout hit is that it features almost all the, the cast members. So everyone kind of gets to share in this very cool chart achievement. Have there been some, you know, group texts about how you guys are all, you know, top five pop stars now, basically? It's really wild. Yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> it was funny. I watched... Um, you know, Olga Meredith, who played Abuela in, in the Heights, is the singing voice uh, of Abuela Alma. And so she has, you know, four lines in this. And I watched an amazing exchange where Steph Beatrice texted Olga, Olga, we're, <laughs> we're a top five hit. And Olga was like, is that good? Hooray! <laughs> Um, you know, Olga doesn't know Olga did it as a favor. Um, and so it was, it was really, it's been really amazing because ensemble numbers don't usually get this kind of love. Like, you know, the end of act one in any Broadway musical isn't usually the one that charts. Um, and it's been, it's been really exciting and really gratifying, um, to just see everyone kind of get to share in its success. Totally. Uh, we also want to break the news to you that surface pressure goes top 10 on the Hot 100 this week as well, um, which means uh, Encanto is the first Disney animated film with two top 10 singles ever on the Hot 100. Wow. So once again, hey, congratulations. Thank you. Is this, um, is this podcast you're just telling good news to people? This is a good... <laughs> Listen, I'm subscribing. enamoradas pasan sus noches um, well, you know, the film features eight original songs, all written by you, um, including Dos Oreguitas, uh, which is shortlisted for the Oscar for Best Original Song, of course. And, you know, I'm wondering, was it hard to choose one baby out of your family <laughs> of songs to, to put forth as like the song to the Academy? And I guess, you know, why this one? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You don't. It, it, you don't ever think I try not to think of it as what is the song that could win? Uh, because that part you really can't control. Um, it's just currents. I couldn't begin to understand. Um, so what you try to do is kind of pick the song or submit the song that you feel best exemplifies the spirit of the movie. And so with Dos Oruguitas, that song sort of covers the foundational, um, emotion at and and like moment when this family began. Um, and so it kind of made sense um, organically as the song to submit. It also like makes my wife cry and my wife is a tough cry. It's very hard to make her feel things. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I just sort of was like, well, this is the song that, you know, it, it feels like the heart of the movie. You know, it's it, it's really it's been fascinating to watch people's reactions to it because you know, you watch people and they're like, oh, well, why can't you let anyone live? And then you see what she went through. Uh, and it really forces a reconsideration. Um, it's the best example of what I think art can do, which is like engender empathy. Um, and that's the, that's the moment when it happens. So it kind of just, you know, kind of organically made sense for us. And then you can't account for what's going to hit, who would have known, who, we don't talk about Bruno is going to be a hit. Um, I'm thrilled that surface pressure is getting all the love from the misunderstood older siblings all over the world. Uh, cause that's the spirit in which I intended it. So, uh, it's, you know, it's amazing. 
You needed a prophecy from Bruno to tell you all the chart success that was coming. Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> um, on that. The music is is so integral to the story, obviously almost like a Broadway musical, which you're very familiar with, or an, an operetta even. How did you partake in the story process as all this animation was going on? Like what was what was your role like and how how long did this all take? Because obviously this music like is needed for the plot and the the narrative of yeah, this movie. I, I sort of saw my role as my, my job is to raise my hand and and sort of let this room of animators and incredible incredibly creative people know what music can do. Like, here's what I think these songs can cover. I think here's where I can run with the ball um, and and get some real estate. And and the two songs that really I think were the most helpful uh, in the early going were actually the opening number and we don't talk about Bruno because um, it's a challenge to have this many characters in a Disney movie. Um, it's usually a hero on a quest. Uh, actually, that's most movies. And anything that is like not involved in that quest like gets paired away. Moana had eight brothers when I was hired onto Moana. <laughs> she didn't have time for those eight brothers. We gotta go. We gotta save the world. Um, and so our challenge to ourselves as a creative team uh, was can we hold on to the complexity of family dynamics um, and keep as many of these folks as possible. And so I wrote the opening number even before we knew what their names were going to be and um, what their powers would necessarily be as a proof of concept of like, if Mirabel sets us up and she tells us it starts with Abuela and here are her kids, here are their kids, here's what everyone can do, <laughs> like, let's go. Um, just in the same way that Belle uh, in Beauty and the Beast lays out Belle, the town, by the end of that number, you know how everyone feels um, and the chess pieces are set to start our story. And so that was that, and we, and we don't talk about Bruno was another way of keeping the entire ensemble involved. You know, Dolores, who does not get her own song, gets this like awesome eight bars. Camilo gets his awesome eight bars. TikTok loves Camilo's eight bars so much. Um, and it really makes me happy because uh, Renzi's performance on it is so great. Um, I've, I've just heard a lot of ASMR feels from his rap so long is back. Um, and so it's been, it's been, but, but yeah, it was, it really was um, your job as the musical dramatist in this room is to sort of say, Here, here's where I think music can elevate and, and, and help um, tell our story. The other thing is obviously Disney movies have such a, a wide audience and I have two young kids and my, even my one-year-old sings along to like the no, no, no's of Bruno and the drip, drip, drip <laughs> of surface pressure, you know? And it's crazy to think of all these like super complex lyrics that adults, you know, need repeat listens to like untangle. And then also a little kid picking things up on like the first listen. So like how, you know, when you're writing this music, how do you kind of think about that wide swath of people who are going to be enjoying this movie? Oh, that's interesting. Because I, I don't really, I mean, on on one level, I'm just trying to put myself into the character as much as possible and figuring out what their pulse is and how they express themselves musical, musically. And then on another level, I think my mind got blown when I saw Under the Sea when I was nine years old and The Little Mermaid. And I'm trying to like make that kid's head explode <laughs> the same way my right. head exploded. Um, and but, but what's interesting, what you say about like sort of kids learning words, I think we love that. Like, I remember loving the task of having to memorize when I was a kid, there was a McDonald's commercial on TV that was like Big Mac McDLT, a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a happy meal, McNuggets, tasty, goldie, french fries, regular, larger size. Like we love challenges like that or like who can sing supercalifragilistic or like who can sing all the lyrics to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Um, it's like a... 
I know you can, Keith. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, but it became like who in our class is the one who can do it. And so it, it, it really is like some, there's some itch that is satisfied by, by learning something that maybe has a little complexity to it or just meat to it. You know, the music in the film has been embraced globally, um, thanks in part to how the music, uh, or a lot of the music has been translated into a number, many different languages. Um, I think I listened to the the German version uh, of We Don't Talk About Bruno the other day. Um, how involved were you in the process of translating the songs into the other languages? Were you sitting there like, did people like submit all of them to you? You're like, yep, I have to approve every single one of these as they go down the, the line. No, the filmmakers, uh, I, I just, Charisse and, and Byron and Jared were much more involved in that. Other than the two Spanish language songs I wrote, uh, Dos Oruguitas and Colombia Me Encanto, um, I really wasn't that involved um, but it's amazing to hear in other languages. Like when I play it in our house, like we're listening to the Japanese version or we're listening to the German version. Um, we've been translating Hamilton into German for a, a Hamburg performance. It will be the first non-English language performance of Hamilton. And rapping in German sounds so dope. Like satisfied in German sounds amazing. So there is, again, like it's, and who would have thunk it? But it's, um, it's, it's also a really fun part of the process. Like I was as transfixed as everyone else when they released that video of We Don't Talk About Bruno in 21 Languages because many of them I, I hadn't heard. Okay, okay. I, I realize this is a quick side note to Hamilton. How do you, how do you sing the bit of Satisfied in German? Like since you, <laughs> since you talked about how amazing it sounds. Um, I, I promise you I'll release it when I'll, I'll release a snippet <laughs> of it when we have it. But um, I, I, I don't remember it. I was in German. <laughs> If, if, if I knew German, I would, this is where I would bust out the word just satisfied and it would sound amazing, but sadly, yeah. no. Uh, I know. I think, I think my shot is mine. No, I can't give it away. I can't give it away. Mine shot. Away. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> that. I'm sure. Like, I forget what the word is. Again, I don't speak German. Amazing. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for making this movie. It's really brought a lot of joy to my family. I know I've been having these songs run through my head for, for a month since we saw it in the theater. So thank you. And thank you for your well, time. Thank you for seeing in the theaters and thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. And delivering all that great news. Yay. Love to bring great news. Thank you. <laughs> thank thanks, you. Lynn. so much to Lynn for giving us his time. I mean, this is a busy man. This man, this year alone, <laughs> like the amount of things that he has like up for Oscars and awards this year, Tick, Tick, Boom and Kanto in the Heights in the, like the film version and Vivo for Netflix all came out within the past 12 months. Wow. Yeah. And somehow he fit in time to talk to us. Right, that's what I am saying. And uh and uh as as you heard, he is just as delightful uh as you'd expect him to be. And I loved that he said he asked us whether our podcast was just delivering good news to people. <laughs> and, I, and that is incredible and I kind of want to like like add that to something that we do. Every time we interview somebody, we give them good news because <laughs> it, it was fun. Sure. I mean, I guess we can do that. I guess um, I got to give Jimmy Fallon some good news. You've given Jimmy Fallon good news on the podcast before, so we get to do that once in a while. I mean, yeah, I mean, this this was pretty unique that we were able to actually, like, even even folks, if you're if uh, the way these interviews usually work, folks listening is that um, oftentimes when you're doing 
any kind of interview, even if it's in person or if it's over Zoom, there's usually someone from the artist that you're interviewing, their team listening in, like someone will be on the Zoom watching or listening, or yeah. even if you're doing it in person, they'll have like a publicist with them. And so there were, there were publicists on the line listening to our conversation. They didn't know that We Don't Talk About Bruno was number two. They didn't know that Surface Pressure was in the top 10. I yeah. told them all for the very first time on that call. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Thanks for keeping it a secret until Gary was able to break the news <laughs> yes. like an hour later. We appreciate you. It was very nice. Um, all right, then. So now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Thirty years ago this month, Peebo Bryson and Celine Dion's rendition of Beauty and the Beast from the film of the same name debuted on the Hot 100 chart. The single entered the list dated January 18, 1992 at number 88 and eventually would peak at number 9 on the April 18th chart, the first top 10 hit on the Hot 100 from a Disney animated film. It was the second top 10 for Dion, who also collected a total of or who has collected a total of 10 top 10s. As for Bryson, it was his second top 10 of a total of 3 and two of them are from Disney animated films. He later scored his third and final top 10 with the number one, A Whole New World, with Regina Bell in 1993. Beauty and the Beast would win the Academy Award for Best Original Song, beating out two other songs from the film that it was nominated against, Be Our Guest and Bell. Uh, Beauty also beat out uh, the songs When You're Alone from the film Hook, and Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, that's a classic. Uh, so there you have it. 30 years ago this month, Beauty and the Beast began its climb up the Hot 100 on its way to the top 10. Uh, we reached the end of our uh, Encanto-filled show. Uh, I actually uh, rewatched the movie last night, or well, you, yeah, last night. We're recording this on Monday, so I, I rewatched. You, it on did Sunday. you pick up new things? Like I feel like I've now watched it three times, and I pick up something new every time. Some lyric, some you know tidbit. Yeah, I spent I spent a lot of time like rewinding. I'm like, what did I just I just missed that? Say that again. I'm like <laughs> that's the beauty of Disney Plus too, as I shill for Disney Plus. But <laughs> like, if I were in the movie theater watching this, I'm, oh, I would yeah. be like. I just missed something and they said like they sing so quickly and it's so dense. I was tempted to turn on <laughs> captions, quite honestly. I'm like, am I just old or what? Well, which, as I told Lynn, the first time I saw it was in the theater. And um, so we did not have that luxury. I was also there with a four year old who needed to use the restroom. You know, we were having soda. So and popcorn, you didn't see that at all. Really so when <laughs> I wa got to watch it at home the second time, I was like, oh, that's the scene when Cal and I were in the bathroom. Like, I missed that <laughs> entirely when uh, Antonio was getting his gift. Just fully missed that scene in the theater. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, consequential we figured it out. I mean, all of a sudden he was talking to animals. We kind of thought, oh, that must be his gift. They're like, his room is really large all of a sudden. Right. What happened? All of a sudden he lives in a jungle. Okay. Um, all right. So what song should we go out on? Oh, man. Uh, we were just listening to the Disney hits playlist wait, on Spotify. E e either another classic Disney animated hit or a classic Lin-Manuel Miranda hit. 
or yeah. another song from Encanto that we haven't mentioned yet today. <laughs> sure. Okay, I would like to uh, pick What Else Can I Do? The Pretty Sister song. The Flower Sister song. The, the, the Flower Sister song. Uh, all right, we'll go out on that, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.